Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. If I could buy stock in someone's NIL value, I think a guy that might be a, a good idea to get on the ground floor on is a guy like Brett Thorson, the Georgia punter. And I know that sounds kind of crazy because he's only a punter, but there are a couple of things going on here. First of all, Americans sort of always had a little bit of a fascination with Australians. And from that standpoint, I think that Thorson has a chance to be considered pretty interesting by a lot of UGA fans. And there's also this uh, precedent here there as well that a couple of years ago, a guy like Rodrigo Blankenship was you know, one of the most popular Bulldogs in recent memory as a place kicker, something you don't always see. So Georgia fans have a little bit of a history of kind of gravitating towards a specialist. A guy like Thorson seems to have a pretty interesting personality, and he kind of comes from this sort of unusual backstory in a way that, you know, a lot, a lot of SEC football fans aren't kind of used to. So all that sort of speaks to a guy that over the course of his time at UGA, even though it's a punter, uh, I think has a chance to kind of make a little bit of a name for himself with UGA fans and has a chance to maybe cash in on that fame over the course of years and I was thinking about that a little bit yesterday because Brett Thorson the Georgia punter ill used on Saturday just one chance to get into the game it happened late after seven consecutive drives for the Georgia Bulldogs resulted in touchdowns but uh Thorson had a joke on Twitter that I thought was uh, really funny and to me it just sort of perfectly encapsulates what Saturday was for Georgia let me show you Brett Thorson on the screen here who's kind of showing off some of that personality I told you that he already has uh, so Thorson treat, tweets a couple photos of himself and says game one takeaway Stetson Bennett hates Australians which is really funny because obviously Bennett was leading all those scoring drives and uh you know <laughs> George was just getting touchdowns. He never had a chance to see Brett Thorson. Now, what's funny about Thorson's tweet is, is that some of y'all during the game had actually made a similar joke to me. At least one person. I, I went back and tried to find the tweet and I couldn't find it. So I'm not going to properly give credit here the way that I should. But somebody had uh, tweeted at me. Uh, something to the effect of ba my only concern about this game against oregon thus far is i'm afraid brett thorson may go in the transfer portal if things continue to go the way they're going right now and that's kind of funny and it's funny to see thorson making a similar joke and as i told i think it was john stinchcomb on monday i said there was a weird point kind of late in the game against oregon where i almost found myself sort of rooting against the Georgia offense at least a little bit because I was a little bit curious about what uh you know Brett Thorson was bringing to the table you know how how good the punting situation would be for UGA obviously a real weapon for the dogs last year was a guy like Jay Camarda field position on kickoffs and obviously punts and you know you don't want your team to punt but when you do punt you want to have a good punter and you wanted to see what Thorson bring to the table well uh he certainly uh boomed one when he got a chance to uh you know to get in there one of our youtube commenters the nickname he's created for thorson is the booming onion which i think is really funny uh but when he got in there and had a chance to to punt he he certainly boomed one there in that moment so all seemed well even in the kind of the the light work that he got there on saturday but in a lot of ways thorson's joke i think kind of really tells the tale for what it was uh, for the dogs it was one of those deals where the the, the punter standing on the sidelines board because the offense is moving down the field play after play after play and as we've told you both this week and in previous weeks and in really you know over the course of the last year that if you kind of want to thin slice this and so just sort of get it down to what really matters for Georgia does it look like they're having fun and if it looks like they're having fun if players are laughing and backslapping and high-fiving and smiling and saying good things after the game 
then you may not need to see the stat sheet and you may not need even to see the scoreboard that all of those things are pointing the direction they need to be because when college football is working the way that it's supposed to work it is fun and when talent like that which Georgia has is unleashed you know it is the kind of thing that that is going to be enjoyable to be a part of because who wouldn't want to succeed and and who wouldn't want to go out there and make it look easy and on Saturday that's exactly what Georgia did and so Brett Thorson kind of joked about it but in a more serious kind of frame of reference A.D. Mitchell the Georgia wide receiver was also talking about it yesterday there as well about as a player in this offense someone who was effective last season someone who was effective there against the Oregon Ducks kind of what he sees from the perspective of a defense trying to stop all of this right now I thought A.D. Mitchell and really only kind of a few words uh summed a lot of this up pretty well when he spoke to the reporters the last night it's kind of hard to game plan offense like that where everybody is getting their fair share and everybody's explosive um in their own aspect so I I love it that's not a lot of words from Mitchell, but it's sort of saying all that needs to be said. He says it's hard to game plan against this when everybody's explosive. And that's what Saturday sort of looked like, didn't it? It, it, it sort of looked like one of those deals where, and, and to me, this is where the game is moving. You know, it, it's not just deep passes and it's not just running game. It's sort of everything all at once at the same time. It's one of those deals where, hey, you want to put a defense in conflict. You want to force them to guess, and if you're talented enough, then you're going to put them in a position where they're likely guessing wrong because they're trying to come here and you're going there. They're zigging, you're zagging. That's what modern football seems to be about. It's about putting a defense in conflict, forcing them to make a guess for what they think you're going to do, and then punishing them, uh, punishing that defense for, for guessing wrong. But in order for that to happen, as A.D. Mitchell kind of points out there, you've got to be good everywhere. you got to have uh, talented running backs. You have you know depth of the tight end. You've got to have wide receivers there too. It can't just be one guy as the focal point for the entire offense because even with inferior talent, if it's just one guy that has to be keyed on, and if it's just one guy that has to be stopped, well, eventually even an average defense can do something to take that away. But if you've got so many different components to your offense that that you know that that it, it all can't be taken away well at that point in time then that's the kind of success story that, that Georgia put together against Oregon on Saturday and there is I think a sense in which UGA fans are still kind of appreciating that and going back and re-watching some of that game film and footage from this past Saturday and still kind of you know living in that moment of hey I saw my team play one of the most fun games it's probably put together in dismantling a team that came in last Saturday as the preseason number 11 and uh, Georgia obviously did a lot right there in that game but there's also kind of that uh, mindset now of, okay, how do you spin it forward? Getting ready for Sanford this Saturday, big step down, we would perceive, in competition. And, well, is there now going to be a little bit of a letdown? It might rain on Saturday. We've heard some talk about that. Uh, you know, you know, Georgia's certainly not going to be in the same kind of emotional frame of mind that it was playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium with a big national spotlight on it. Be a huge TV audience, as you know, tuning in for that game against Oregon. Is there, a, is there a letdown now on all of this? Well, once again, A.D. Mitchell, who spoke so articulately a moment ago, uh, told us last night that when it comes to these dogs right now their level of focus is going to remain the same no matter who it is they're playing once again good stuff from A.D. Mitchell the standard doesn't need motivation so you know we kind of just we kind of just been embracing that saying you know we he says it he didn't he done said it every team meeting this week so you know we just we just all buying in and just it's all about preparation at the end of the day we just preparing how we would the national championship game so all of that from A.D. Mitchell leads me to a question. Okay, after seeing 49 points, 
uh, against Oregon after having the punter joke about, hey, what about me? Do I get to be used? Do I get to be on this team? Do I get to have a role uh, around here? After all the good vibes coming off the Oregon game, what do you want to see as an encore? Well, part of what I'd like to see is what A.D. Mitchell talked about there is a team that shows the same killer instinct this Saturday that it showed last Saturday against Oregon, kind of showing that it's going to be up to its standard regardless of who the opponent is, and that's the mindset it's going to take throughout the season. I think we'd all kind of like to see that, and it's nice to hear Mitchell give voice to that. But beyond that, more specifically, there are a couple of things I'm kind of curious about here right now. We're going to talk more about running backs in a moment in a little bit different light, but we didn't see a ton of rushing attack from Georgia on Saturday. I, I, I don't want it to be three yards in a cloud of dust against Sanford. Nobody does. But do you see more explosive runs? Do you see the running game become a little bit more of a combo punch to go along with what was clearly a potent passing attack? You know, a guy like Brock Bowers, who I've predicted to be the the leading receiver for Georgia here this year, and listen, ultimately my prediction doesn't matter all that much, but clearly Bowers was the weapon for the dogs in the passing game there last year. Maybe it's a little bit more of an ensemble cast here this this season, but if Bowers is going to be that guy once again, then after two weeks, this is kind of the moment where you show that a bit. After Saturday, your season's, what, about 15% gone, something along those lines, that you're starting to cast some of the die for for what you're going to look like in terms of a playing personality and, and a profile. So if Bowers is going to be a big part of all this again at a higher statistical level than he was last year, this is kind of one of those moments where that you know sort of steps up. And then beyond that, it's not just that I'm interested in what Georgia does. I'm sort of interested in what the reaction is to what Georgia does, even if it's somewhat silly. Most of us who would you know, watch this Georgia game closely, knowing who it is that Georgia's playing, Samford out of the FCS. If Georgia goes out there and scores 60 points or something like that, most of us would assume there is a, at least a little bit of that that's opponent-driven, that, okay, you had these eye-popping stats, but consider who you played. But we also know this. A lot of national media people, sometimes they don't really do that. Sometimes they are just sort of scoreboard watchers and stat chasers. And what they would be doing in that instance is sort of pairing this stat line for a guy like Setson Bennett, the other playmakers in this offense, along with the 49 that Georgia scored last week against Oregon. And all of a sudden, I think you could see after two weeks of the season, the Georgia offense being one of the big national stories that's out there in college football here right now. And even if some of that's a little bit inflated because of the fact that Georgia's playing an FCS foe, the fact of the matter is some of us might you know take some of that credit on behalf of Georgia and let the media sort of pat him on the back here for a little while now Kirby's gonna hate it and Kirby's not gonna want to hear it but you know for some of us that might be kind of a nice change of pace considering where things have been the narrative has been over the course of the last couple of years so to kind of sum all this up hey Brett Thorson was joking about not getting used last week he may not be used very much this week and he may not be used very much all season long because this is a Georgia offense that at least on the basis of the four quarters that played this past Saturday has a little bit of an edge to it. I think it's kind of enjoying the idea of being a dominant unit, and it's clearly going to continue, you'd assume, this Saturday against Samford, but it may continue for a long time after that as well. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, we start at 945 for our first and 15 on the dognation.com and dog nation app 10 a.m after that facebook youtube twitter twitch all kinds of video platforms happy to have you with us whichever one of those you choose to use to consume the show we're just really appreciative of you there on all of that also quick message there as well so yesterday now this wasn't unanimous somebody said they were still having a problem but it seems like the overwhelming majority of you at least those who've heard who i've heard from 
said the show appeared for you back again yesterday on the Apple Podcast Player. So as I jokingly said on Twitter, our long national nightmare would appear to be over. And after two days of hiatus, for whatever reason, we still don't quite know why, uh, the show is now back, apparently, on the Apple Podcast Player. So y'all do me a favor. uh, Let me know if that remains true for you today. I should be able to sort of tell because you just sort of can. But um, but y'all let me know if it kind of works out for you uh, there on all of that, because we want to hear that. And for those of you that kind of did some outreach yesterday and we, you know, we kind of did some old school sort of high attendance Sunday outreach of, hey, go out and let folks know we miss them and let folks know that uh, there's still a way where they can connect with us. For those of you that did that, we appreciate you uh, doing that. And obviously, uh, always great to have you as a part of the program. And for those of you listening to the radio as well, Athens Sports Radio 96 The Ref each and every day at noon. That's always really fun, too. So y'all let me know about the Apple thing. I think we should be good there on the podcast, but uh, you never quite know. Also, our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. We're so appreciative of what they uh, do for us each and every week. We got a chance to see Bob, Ashley, and their beautiful family last week as part of the uh, Dog Nation Duck Hunt Tailgate. Big dog fans, just good people. It's one of my favorite things what we get a chance to hear at Dog Nation is that we have a great collection of sponsors. We have a great collection of folks in our audience to help support those sponsors. It just feels really good to be a part of this community because of the people that make up that community. And for us, Meriwether and Tharp's a big part of that. However, I also know this, that for you, your own personal sense of community may be kind of upended right now. You may find yourself and the situation where your most important relationship, the one you have with your spouse, is maybe coming to an end. And I hate that. That sucks. I mean, it really does. Like, I, as sincerely as I know how to be, uh, you know, feel empathy for you if that's what you're going through. And if I could take it away from you, you know, and so you didn't have to deal with it, obviously I would. But since I can't, let me try to do the next best thing here, which is put you in touch with an advocate who's going to walk through this with you. And sometimes there's a lot of value in that, that when you find yourself in a challenging situation, that the only way to make it better is to go through it, will go through it with someone that is the the best choice that you can make. And the single best choice you can make in this situation is to trust my friends at Meriwether and Tharp for that. They're your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online at the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. That website, once again, the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. They can explain the law. They can talk about how to leverage it to your benefit and set you up for more success in the next season of your life. So find our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce online at the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. That is the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. All right, we're going to get Terrence Edwards here coming up in just a couple of minutes. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at ServePro. Now, a moment ago, we heard from Georgia wide receiver A.D. Mitchell. I want to talk here for a moment about another guy that we heard from yesterday. That's Georgia running back Kendall Milton. And first of all, I thought that Kendall was kind of a real bright spot for UGA, not just because he had a big game, finding the end zone, things like that. But I'll be honest with you. I wasn't quite so sure how healthy Milton was coming into that game. And you know, sometimes we're sort of led to believe that, <laughs> I don't know, it's always a guessing game of what's said about injuries and who's healthy and whatever else. And I sort of assumed that Milton must be less healthy than they were letting on because that's typically the way these things kind of go. But on Saturday, he didn't seem to be you know, f- you know facing any ill effects from that hamstring whatsoever. It was really nice to see. He was you know a really important part of the Georgia offense on Saturday. And a lot of that for him and certainly Kenny McIntosh had more than 100 yards receiving – a lot of that kind of came through the air. Georgia really throwing to the running backs on Saturday. And Kendall Milton yesterday, when he spoke to reporters, said, hey, that as a part of this offense is something that he feels incredibly comfortable with. Let me let you hear Kendall Milton talking about the role of running backs in the passing game. Uh, I would say I'm very comfortable. You know, we had a 
big offseason, just working with the quarterbacks, uh, all the running backs, really just trying to put ourselves in position to, you know, just get comfortable with that game. So at the end of the day, we want to um, be a force in multiple different aspects of the game. So, you know, I'm super comfortable with the aspect, and I'm super excited that, you know, we can open the offense in multiple dimensions. So the stats, if you're interested, McIntosh had nine catches, 117 yards. Milton had just the one catch, but it was for a touchdown. So clearly both of these running backs were very important for Georgia in its passing game on Saturday. And Milton, with speaking to reporters yesterday, went into even more detail about the fact that this wasn't something that he got to do very much at the Friday night level. And coming to college, this is something he wanted to learn more about as he obviously sets himself up for what he hopes is an NFL future. And so here's a little bit more of Kendall Milton talking about his role as a pass catcher in this Georgia offense. I've definitely uh, made that a key focus uh, talking with Coach McGee. Uh, I let him know that that was one aspect that I wanted to work on because coming in at high school, I felt like, you know, high school, I didn't really catch the ball. It was mostly, you know, just running the ball. So coming in, I let him know that I want to, by the time that it's my time to, you know, move on, I want to be the complete back in all areas. And uh, he's worked with me, you know, countless times during the offseason just trying to put me in those deep ball situations or those coming out the backfield situations. And uh, I'm just thankful that, you know, I have a coach that, you know, is willing to put effort for me to be able to help my, uh, make my dreams happen. So I think that's really interesting. And he talks about wanting to be a complete back and kind of how that would, you know, kind of go for him. And he obviously wanted to set himself up for the next level. And as you hear Kendall talk about that, and as you see what Kenny McIntosh did on Saturday, I think you're sort of reminded of something that Kirby Smart said in this offseason. And for a coach like Smart, who obviously is always seemingly looking to keep his cards close to the vest and certainly not looking to give anything away from a game planning standpoint, if you go back and listen to some of the statements that Smart made back during the offseason, at least one of those may have actually tipped off pretty well what Georgia did on Saturday in terms of what Kirby Smart told you a few months ago they want to do as kind of a factory for future NFL running backs and specifically what that means here in 2022. Smart from the offseason kind of foreshadowing what both Milton and McIntosh did on Saturday. Here's Kirby. In college football, you become a weapon by how you receive the ball out of the backfield. They want to grow at that. They want to be able to um, showcase their talents catching the ball out of the backfield. So the NFL asks about can you catch the ball out of the backfield? Can you be a third down back? Well, we, we like to grow NFL backs here. So to do that, you got to use them in the passing game. Isn't that interesting? That's Kirby Smart, essentially Babe Ruth style, calling a shot in the offseason. Hey, we want to grow NFL running backs, which means we want to make them weapons in the passing game. Lo and behold, on Saturday, that's exactly what they did with Milton's touchdown with McIntosh, who actually led Georgia in receiving yards. Now, here's what's also kind of interesting, too, is that not only does Georgia seem to be cultivating this right now, Georgia may actually about to be getting a little earned media for this as well. Tonight, you know, is the start of the NFL season. You're going to have to find it on Amazon Prime, which is the first time for us doing that here in the regular season. But when it comes to this, you know, sort of, you know, Thursday night season kickoff type deal with the Rams taking on actually it's tonight's game on NBC maybe tonight maybe games not on uh, Amazon tonight maybe maybe tonight's on NBC but either way it's Thursday night between the Rams and the and the Bills and obviously for Buffalo one of their key pieces this year you think anyway is going to be former Georgia running back James Cook and much the same way Kirby Smart says hey we want to grow running backs that catch the ball out of the backfield and that's how they use Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh on Saturday 
you may also see a former Georgia running back make a pretty big name for himself in the NFL this year for doing some of the same kind of stuff. A lot of that stuff that he did while at Georgia there as well. And suddenly this may become a little bit of the way in which folks think about Georgia uh, when they think about the dogs, these athletic running backs who are also weapons in the passing game. In fact, let me let you hear uh, Thomas Davis. You know him as the former Georgia linebacker, long career in the NFL with the Carolina Panthers, now working with the NFL Network. He was asked on TV the other day, hey, of all these sort of newcomers to the Buffalo Bills, if you think about Buffalo trying to make, take that next step and make the Super Bowl, which of these new players matters most of all? And you might not be surprised that the former dog Davis zeroed in on the former dog James Cook. Let's keep the theme going of UGA running backs catching the football. Here's Thomas Davis. I got to go with a guy out of the University of Georgia, my boy Cooks. <laughs> I'm a homer. Y'all know it. I got to go with my boy Cooks. I, I, I was around McDermott and, and, Co- and Brandon Bean for a very long time in Carolina. And I know that they love me so much that they had to go draft another Georgia Bulldog <laughs> in James Cook. They had to bring James into the fold. He's a, he's a very versatile player. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. And he did a great job for us at Georgia of running between the tackles. So James Cook, by far, with the way that their running game has struggled, is going to be a very valuable piece to their offense. First of all, some of y'all talk sometimes about like former dogs in the media and who sort of keeps a sort of a pro Georgia slant, who doesn't. Thomas Davis right there is keeping it dog for sure. Uh, that's that's a guy that's definitely in kind of a pro Georgia mindset there as he talks about James Cook, which is kind of nice to to hear. But isn't that sort of interesting that that Davis says, "Hey, watch out for James Cook. We'll see this tonight, primetime showdown against the the L.A. Rams." A former dog maybe being used as a big weapon in that potent passing attack for the Buffalo Bills, and all of a sudden we can kind of pair that with what Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton are doing too, and it kind of all kind of goes back to what Kirby Smart said a little early in the summer, that a place like Georgia that's kind of long been known as RBU, now RBU maybe means just something a little bit different now. All of a sudden now it also means catching the ball out of the backfield, and we may see a lot more of that from the dogs here this season and those dogs in the NFL there as well. That is Around the Doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at ServPro, and we love what ServPro can do for you because think about the real estate that you own. For some of you, that's a house. For some of you, that's a commercial property. It's a business it's where you house your livelihood. And think about damage taking place to that piece of property, whether it be your home or your business, whatever else, fire, water intrusion, the kinds of things that can happen. That leaves a real mess. And it's the kind of mess that sort of threatens your, your I guess, sense of security, but it also in some cases sort of threatens you financially there as well. You need the cleanup to take place. You need to put it all back together like it never even happened. Well, that's where my friends in Surf, at ServPro can step in because that's what their restoration specialists will do for you. They'll take care of your cleanup. They'll take care of your kind of repair on that, and they'll get it all back the way that it was like it never happened. That's what ServPro is famous for. Their franchises are also independently owned and operated which means you're doing business with someone who has a stake in the outcome much the same way that you do. So my encouragement is to reach out to them online, servepro.com. That's S-E-R-V, servepro.com. Reach out to them today and let their restoration specialists do great work for you, cleaning up fire, water damage, whatever you might be dealing with, and leaving it like it never even happened. Trust ServPro for that today. All right, so here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, Before we're done on the show today, we have one of the funnier golden shoes we've had in quite some time. This is going to be really good. We'll do this here coming up in uh, just a few minutes. But for now, more on that potent offense that Georgia showed on Saturday against Oregon and what we might see as an encore this Saturday against the Sanford Bulldogs. Let's do it all with Terrence Edwards as a Marlowe's Tavern insider update. Glad to have him 
and all of you with us here on the program today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll say hello to Terrence Edwards here at Marlowe's Tavern, Insider Update. And Terrence, I know you love catching the football. You were famous for that during your playing career, certainly a record setter here at Georgia. And dogs were throwing it all over the yard on Saturday. And as I was saying before you joined us, a lot of that was going towards running backs. McIntosh, over 100 yards receiving. Kendall Milton, who we just heard from, had a touchdown uh, through the air. What did you think of the way in which Georgia got those running backs involved in the passing game on Saturday? How impressive was that for you to be able to see? Uh, it was very impressive. I think that was the game plan to kind of isolate uh, the linebackers that I spoke about last week. Uh, so I think that was the best point of attack is to isolate those linebackers against a really, really talented pass catcher in uh, Kenny McIntosh. And I think Coach Munkin and the crew did a great job of finding the weakness in that defense and exploiting it. Is that what the game is now? I mean, it certainly seems like it is to me, whether you're watching on Sunday, Saturdays, even on Fridays. It seems like a lot of it now is, hey, you know, get the ball to a playmaker, an athletic guy with some green grass around him, see if he can make somebody miss in front of him, and just really utilize those offensive weapons. And how can you creatively, and also in some cases just sort of simply, just get the ball out to somebody who can do something with it? Is that the evolution of the game that you're seeing right now as a coach yourself? Oh, most definitely. You know, back in the day, uh, 10, 15 years ago, is it, really – Let's run the running back down here 20, 25 times and try to time it out. But now uh, the screen game, the flare game, the running back, uh, pass catching abilities, now it's the extension of playing running back. You know, you're not going to see uh, too much now that the running back is, is carrying it 25 to 30 times a game. He's probably going to get 20 to 25 touches, but it's going to be touches in space. And that's the name of the game right now, in spacing. Um, you know, you're not going to just – line up in the I formation with the fullback and run power all game. Yeah. No, you're going to uh, line those guys out. You're going to screen them. You're going to put them in, in the pass-catching uh, sections of the field. Um, that's the name of the game right now, trying to find mismatches, and that's what Georgia did on Saturday. Well, even in the sort of the pass game, I'm not sure how much of the Georgia Tech-Clemson game you got a chance to see on Monday, but you know some of the struggles that D.J. Uenglele had – you know, a lot of those passing plays they were calling for him to me just seemed like really slow developing. And if you don't have a great offensive line, then you're not going to give, you know, your your quarterback's not going to have enough time to distribute the football there in that situation. So, like, sometimes there's even kind of a slow plotting way to throw the football, too, it would seem. And the exact opposite of that for Georgia, where I think that Georgia does have a good offensive line, could probably do almost anything that wanted to, uh, at, at least with that group up front. But but if you're not getting the ball out quickly, if you're doing the, one of these long play-action type deals where you're dropping way back trying to throw the football, that's another example of – you know, there just may be a quicker way to get rid of the football and, and a better way to give guys a, a chance to do something. Even in the passing game, I think there's sort of a slow, plotting way to go about that, it seems. Oh, most definitely. You, you just look at the complexities of defense right now and the athletes that the defensive front uh, have now. I mean, you you got guys, I mean, the Clemson front, there's probably as a whole, that's probably not a better defensive front in college football. So you cannot sit back there and try to, take a seven-step drop or uh, a deep play action. you got to get the ball out quick into your playmaker's hands, and that's demoralizing to a defensive front when you uh, work as hard as you do to try to get to the quarterback. And I think Tom Brady does this the best. He gets the ball out. 
I think I read somewhere like 2.1 seconds. That's demoralizing to a yeah. defensive front who's working their tails off to get to the quarterback, and the quarterback is somehow way scheming to get the ball out quick and negate the pass rush. And I think every top team right now has a defensive front that can rush the quarterback. So you have to be able to get the ball out quickly, uh, pre-snap reads for the quarterback, and Stetson did a great job of finding the open mismatch. Well, speaking of Stetson Bennett, it's been kind of a wild ride for him, as you know, maligned a lot over the course of the last couple of years, even last year along the way towards winning a national championship. And now after one game of his final season here at UGA, boy, he's getting pats in the back now. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of that's deserved, but boy, it's been pretty intense there too. Some NFL draft love, but in particular, you know, you've seen a great drastic change in his Heisman Trophy odds there as well. Terrence, you're a level-headed guy. You also understand the sport. How realistic do you think it is that Stetson Bennett could be a part of the Heisman conversation here this season? If, if I'm telling the truth, I just don't think the national media will allow a former walk-on 5'11 guy to, to win the Heisman. That just means I think Stetson played the best game I've ever seen a Georgia quarterback play. He was calm, cool, collective. I said this after the game. That If we get that Stetson each week, we're going to compete for a national championship. But um, I don't see it. I don't think. You know, Stetson will be voted. I mean, just look at Will Allison last year. Will Allison, in my opinion, should have won the Heisman Trophy last year. He didn't get an opportunity to go. So it's, it's up to the voters, and a lot of times it's who the voters like, the narratives. Uh, I mean, I guess it will be a great narrative for him to walk on yeah. win the Heisman Trophy, but I just don't see it. Uh, I would love for Stetson to win it, to just shut everyone up. I've been on the Stetson uh, on, on his boats and driving that boat that I think Stetson is the guy to lead us to uh, where we need to be. And I and I tweeted uh, L. Duncan this weekend, like, we all complain about the quarterback situation, but what are we going to do? Go in the transfer portal and find one, start one of the young guys who does not have the experience he has. So what's the solution? I think the solution is what we saw uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Stetson is the guy to lead us to where we need to be. Well, I think the one thing I've tried to do is be careful because I thought last year at times there was a drastic overreaction when maybe things weren't perfect for Stetson. And on the flip side of that, I don't want to have the same kind of overreaction when he has a really good game. But the truth is probably always somewhere in the middle or it's at least uh, a more watered down version of like the crazy, you know, hottest takes imaginable that you sometimes see. And so I think it's important at least from my perspective appropriate to kind of maintain the same mindset here of okay Stetson Bennett had a great game on Saturday but this is a guy that we sort of thought was a good quarterback so let's not make too much yet out of of one game that's really really good the same way I would have encouraged folks a year ago not to make too much out of one game that might not have been you know quite so good that it's I think Terrence still appropriate to maintain some level of perspective with all of this I think so I think you know the you know we as fans can go in and overreact. Uh, I think Georgia Bulldogs played a great game. I I think Oregon, defensively, if we really want to get down to the second-level stats, were able to move the ball on us a bit more than I like. Uh, they did finish the game with 21 first downs, and even when the starter was in, the first down comparison was, was very similar. We was, we was more of a bend, don't break defense, and made great plays at, at the right time, but I like what I saw from a bunch of guys that that didn't play a lot last year, especially in that linebacking core. 
um, that's a good start for them. I think that's that's now we just only continue to get better. I know Kirby and crew will continue to push these guys, but uh, I like what I saw, and that's the testament of the way Kirby has recruited. I'm curious your thoughts on this because this is obviously a guy that you know very well. A lot of folks have asked about, hey, you know, Eric Gilbert on Saturday. George obviously, you know, plays Brock Bowers a lot. You know, uh, clearly Darnell Washington is going to be a little bit of a focal point. Uh, and they kind of got him involved pretty early based on the summer it sounds like he'd had. You understand that. But then, you know, uh, Elbert, Eric Gilbert was a little later getting involved in the game. I think he, you know, ended up playing a decent number of uh, snaps, or at least a handful of snaps, and was targeted at least one time but got in uh, a little bit after Oscar Delp got in. What did you think about the way in which El- Eric Gilbert was used last week? And I guess your kind of overall assessment of the situation there at tight end where there are a lot of really seemingly good players who are kind of trying to fight for their moment. What did you make of all that there last week? Uh, without being there and understanding what's going on on a day-to-day basis, we, we, we don't know. I haven't spoken to anyone there, so I don't know why the rotation – uh, it, where it was, but I mean, if you just look at Darnell, you look at the way Brock played, uh, and I, I know we have all this high expectations for Eric, and we all know the talent that he brings, but he just got to continue to earn and work and continue to earn his playing time. Um, no matter how talented he is, and if he's not doing something to earn his playing time or whatever, then he's got to continue to work um, to get better. Um, so, you know, like I've been saying this whole time, B.A., my goal and my All-American yeah. status for Eric was did exactly what he did. Done. He played a football game in a, and was there with a team. And we all know the troubles and the trials and tribulations he's been through, and that was a win for me. Now he just got to continue to push. He got to continue to work and earn everything he gets. No, I think that's exactly right. I think that's really well said. we got more with Terrence Edwards coming up. Let me remind you of the Samarlo's Tavern Insider Update here today. Let me also remind you about this. One of my favorite times of the year is now back at Marlowe's. You can take advantage of this. It's the Ribs and Whiskey event. This is special menu, special cocktail, special opportunity to enjoy some great stuff at Marlowe's Tavern. It comes to Ribs and Whiskey. They're, y'all, they're barbecue, they're ribs, special sauces and rubs they use. This is delicious. This is so much fun. One of my favorite you know, times of the year. Y'all know we love Marlowe's Tavern. A great event there last Thursday, but also a great promotion going on right now with ribs and whiskey. It goes between now and October the 3rd, so get in there and enjoy that. Try the fried macaroni and cheese as a side to go along with all of this. Try the uh, just the incredible array of barbecue options, including those delicious ribs. Have yourself a whiskey to go with it and some of those special cocktails that the uh, mixologist can make for you right there with all the chef-inspired food that goes down for you at your Marlowe's Tavern, including the one right there in your neighborhood. So go to marlowestavern.com, find out more about that. Enjoy that at the uh, tavern right there in your neighborhood. This is a great, great time to enjoy some delicious food from Marlowe's Tavern. Ribs and whiskey, one of our favorite events they do throughout the year. Terrence, another event on Saturday is the home opener for Georgia against Sanford. Our chance to be back between the hedges and to see Georgia in a game which expects to win easily and also kind of an opportunity maybe for some guys to get a chance to play more than they have played or for guys to kind of continue sending the message about what they expect to be here this season. You know, as someone like yourself who played in games like this, who kind of understands this from the perspective of a coach there too, what are you looking to see from Georgia in this game against Sanford on Saturday? The leadership. I'm, I'm waiting to see uh, who steps up to the plate and continue to lead this team, knowing that the opponent that we're playing is, is not on their level. 
Um, it's easy to get up for Oregon game. You've been working all year, all summer uh, to face this team. Your old coach Dan Lanning is there. So it's a lot of hype around this game internal, internally. So we, we understand that now. We, we, we play in a Sanford team. Now, what's the, what's the hype now? What's the, what's the motivation factor to get up for this game? Now I'm just waiting on the leadership to not allow uh, the young guys to be happy with their performance against Oregon. Uh, the great teams has is consistent to play their best week in and week out. Um, knowing that we do have South Carolina at William Bryce next week, do we look ahead for that game? So I'm just looking for the leaders to keep these these young guys level-headed and uh, understand the magnitude of each Saturday, and each Saturday means something. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And I guess along those lines, South Carolina, you know, plays on the road at Arkansas on Saturday. That's a game we've been kind of fascinated with, and it's a big kind of opportunity for Spencer Rattler, who probably didn't have a great game against Georgia State this past Saturday. But along the same, you know, wavelength of sort of watching Georgia as a preview of SEC play, but the idea of watching South Carolina in kind of a big road test prior to hosting Georgia we might learn something about those Gamecocks there, and it might set up the stage for a little bit more interesting showdown in Williams-Brice than maybe it currently appears to be based on however it kind of plays out there in Fayetteville on Saturday. Oh, I think so. I think Arkansas is, is a hot team. And I think we all as Georgia fans kind of pull for Arkansas because of, of uh, Coach Pittman. So I'm going to be pulling for Arkansas. I think Arkansas brings a legit team. Um, so I think this is going to be a really, really good game. I think this is the first test that Spencer Rattler gets to see what SEC football is about week in and week out. Now he understands he has to prepare for Arkansas this week. Now he has to prepare for Georgia next week. So when you play an SEC schedule week in and week out, you have to bring your best. Um, so I'm fascinated about this game, and I'm pulling for Arkansas and Pittman um, to beat South Carolina. But, yeah. you know, it, it, William Bryce, someone asked me about some of the best stadiums I've played with. William Bryce is no joke to go and play it. So yeah. Our guys got to be ultra-focused. It doesn't matter the outcome of the Arkansas game. To, to achieve all goals, you got to be 1-0 every Saturday. No, I think that's exactly right, Terrence. I love that conversation with you. I enjoy having it with you post-game there as well. What a great time we had last Saturday for our Dog Nation post-game show presented by the UGA Bookstore. Terrence, I look forward to that conversation here this Saturday there as well. A lot of what happens for Georgia against Sanford. A little bit of preview for what's going to happen the following Saturday against South Carolina. I will see you after the game for all of that. Oh, most definitely. I was happy to get back on the broadcast after the game and and summarize what we saw. And I think all of us were feeling good, so hopefully we continue to feel good after each and every Saturday. And don't forget, it won't just be us that's there on Saturday for that UGA uh, uh, bookstore postgame show here with Dog Nation. Also, before the game there as well, former Dog National Champion quarterback Buck Ballou is signing autographs. Uh, Vince Dooley going to be there signing autographs, as he customarily is prior to those games. And how about former Dog Malcolm Mitchell on hand prior to the game, too? So, Great opportunity to see some former dogs before the game. I'll see you there on the second floor after the game at the UGA Bookstore on Saturday. Terrence, we'll talk to you then. Thanks for being here as a part of our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update today. Thank you, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. And, of course, if you want more information about the autographs and all the opportunities to kind of hang out pregame at the UGA Bookstore, go to ugabookstore.com on that. I was also there the other day. I'll just tell you this really quickly. 
their supply of like national championship gear and all that kind of stuff man it was so much fun to walk through that store the other day i i've always kind of liked the uj bookstore I just probably my favorite place to go get georgia apparel kind of always has been the stuff they have right now i've waited a long time to be able to see great looking national championship logo and so much of that cool stuff and so you can do some shopping it'll be a great time to do that on saturday and i'm looking forward to seeing a lot of you you know you stop by you, you say hello to us i appreciate that it used to be and i'll be very quick about this and then we'll move on it used to be that on the show because it is a broadcast right we have to take it somewhat seriously it used to be that when folks were kind of around i would kind of have to be really focused on what we're doing locked in on that camera you know tv man if you will and now i've just kind of gotten to the point if you come by and say hello i'll just i'll, I'll break character i'll I'll break the fourth wall and I'll say hello to you there and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll chat a little bit. Even while I'm on camera doing the show, we can be casual about some of that kind of stuff. So stop by and see us at the UGA bookstore on Saturday. We'll look forward to seeing you there for that. And something else we'll look forward to seeing that's all of you in the Bahamas coming up this April with our second ever cruise with Dog Nation. Now, if you go to royaldogs.com, you can find out more about this. Uh, that late April sailing around the uh, week of the NFL draft. Enjoying some time on the independence of the seas, visiting Nassau in the Bahamas, visiting Perfect Day Coco Cay. And here's what you got to know. Anytime we're talking about taking a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, as I've told you, my itinerary searches always start with a trip to Perfect Day Coco Cay. So you better believe that if we're taking a Dog Nation cruise, of course we're going to Perfect Day Coco Cay. It is single best probably place I can spend the entire day. Last time, you know, we just sort of parked ourselves in that big pool largest freshwater pool in the bahamas and we just sort of hung out there the entire time a lot of folks were doing you know uh, zip lining or or certainly the water park and you know and enjoying tallest water slide in north america we were just chilled and relaxing that's what it is there's a chill side there's a thrill side you can do the thrill side and do all side and do all the water slides you can do the chill side and kind of hang out and relax like we did and make a bunch of trips to the bar either way you're gonna have a great time when it comes to a perfect day coco okay and the next iteration of the dog nation cruise so uh, check that out royaldogs.com for more details on that that's specific for the cruise you can also call our friend jessica slater at 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 and look do like me don't wait until april to take your next world caribbean cruise take one before then do a practice cruise because i need you you know game face on ready to go for the the real one in april so do yourself a practice cruise to get ready for what's going to happen there on april we're gonna have a great time independence of the seas royaldogs.com that's the website to learn more about that all right let me start with what is and i get to be a newsman when i say this and you know on tv the, the newsmen always kind of like pop the papers you know they keep papers in front of this or pop their papers uh, so I'm going to pop the papers in the desk here and give you a little bit of newsman vibe. Uh, late breaking into the show, Dambo Sweeney has actually gotten himself a contract extension. Brett McMurphy of the Action Network reporting that Dabo Sweeney and Clemson agreed to a new 10-year, $115 million contract through the 2030, or I should say the 2031 season with the Tigers. So I'm not great at math, but 10 years, $115 million, that's 11.5 per year. So that puts him in the kind of same ballpark that Nick Saban's in, that Kirby Smart is in. Does that exceed the yearly value of the Kirby Smart contract? I honestly don't remember. It does exceed the Smart contract, just barely. So it's just barely above the Kirby Smart contract. So the guy that has, for now, one more national championship than Kirby has a slightly higher per year average than uh, Kirby Smart does. I'm not great with numbers. Don't really remember what the average per year was on uh, Kirby, but that's what our producer Michael Carvel is saying. Let me tell you why I think this is interesting and we're going to move on. I think the future is a little bit in doubt for Dabo Swinney. I, I think that 
people who were kind of like sort of casting Clemson aside because they were a little bit of a ugly showing in the early stages against Georgia Tech on Monday, that's an overreaction. Clemson still has an elite defense, and if you're elite on either side of the ball, you got a chance to be in contention because all you got to do is sort of find even good play on the other side of the ball. Like Ohio State, why they missed the playoff last year? Because they had a great offense, but they couldn't find their pathway towards even being good defensively. They were sort of outside the top 40 from from a defensive standpoint. But could they have even been good defensively to pair that with what they were doing offensively? That would have been a very, very difficult team to be. So if you're great on one side of the ball, you give yourself a chance, but you've got to be at least good on the other side of the ball. Clemson may be great defensively again. I mean, when you look at you know guys like Trent Simpson, linebacker, obviously what they're doing, KJ Henry, Brian Brzee, he is, he is who you thought he was. They're great defensively. If they make the switch at quarterback eventually, or if Uyunglele just starts playing better, they may at least be good offensively. So they could be dangerous here this year. But there are a couple of things that seem to be going on in this Clemson program. Offensive line, I would say for Clemson right now, that still looks pretty weak. That's been an issue. It seems like it still is. But beyond that, you know, Clemson's and Dabo Swinney. Dabo is not like Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is a head coach. He's in kind of that CEO role now. But Smart is also the kind of guy who's capable of doing the actual coaching. Smart knows the X's and O's. And this is not a shot at Dabo Swinney. I don't think anybody would say this. This is not me trying to undermine him. People would openly acknowledge this. Dabo is not an X's and O's guy. He's never, you know, he was wide receivers coach before he became head coach. So Dabo as a coach is always going to be more more coordinator dependent than other coaches are going to be. Kirby could be his own defensive coordinator if he needs to be because he's got the acumen to be able to do that. Dabo, I would say, I'm, I'm not sure that he does. I'm not sure you want Dabo Sweeney calling offensive plays for you. So you need that offensive coordinator. Now, right now, look at the offensive staff at Clemson. Do you feel good about this staff? When you look at the overall experience they have as coaches even, do you feel good about that? Now, defensively, they seem to be still fine, but they had Brent Venables there for a long time. What about when some of these guys start cycling out of the program? When there is no more K.J. Henry, when there is no more Brian Brzee. How about the next generation of that Clemson defense? How good are they going to be without a, uh, a Brent Venables as coordinator? Now, they may be fine. They may be plenty good, right? But they're still recruiting well defensively. Guys like Stephon Green in-state, Vic Burley in-state. They're, they're, they're clearly still winning some big battles when it comes to defensive recruits. But Dabo is a little bit of a coordinator-dependent coach. He's had really good coordinators, and Clemson's had great success. But now you're paying him big bucks over the course of the next 10 years. Is this still you know, the same kind of program that was making the playoff literally every year for as long as, as Clemson was? I don't know. They may make the playoff this year, but and when I say I don't know, I'm not saying that like I mean that literally. I literally don't know. There's a chance they still are. Boy, oh boy, there's a chance they're not either. Clemson, to me, is a fascinating story right now, but uh, but the program betting big on the future of Dabo Swinney. And by the way, it may be also eliminating any discussion with the idea that Dabo might eventually be the replacement for Nick Saban, because don't discount that as a part of this discussion, too. Extension coming now when it does, you know, look, look, the Saban thing's not going to last forever. It's, it's just not. I know Alabama fans think he's still going to be coaching there 50 years from now, but one of these days it's not going to be Nick Saban anymore well now that Clemson's sort of ponying up and giving Dabo this kind of contract does that take Dabo out of the running for a job like that uh, that's at least worth you know putting as an addendum to that discussion uh there 
Uh, as far as the rest of the SEC news goes here for a moment, uh, interesting recruiting news uh, yesterday, TJ Shanahan, offensive lineman out of the state of Texas, at one point in time kind of on Georgia's radar as a recruit, he is now committed to Texas A&M. So a little bit of a win here for the Aggies when it comes to uh, a recruiting battle here. You know, that's a guy that I think a lot of Georgia fans kind of liked. I, you know, you had not really heard a lot about Shanahan and Georgia there in sort of the last however long but for a Texas A&M team that was a little bit dormant for a while in recruiting, all of a sudden they're starting to kind of come alive here a little bit. I think Shanahan probably represents a pretty good win there for, for, for them. So we at least wanted to make sure that you were aware of that. I'll also mention this. And we've talked a lot about the big games in the SEC, and we're going to do a lot more of that tomorrow. We'll get heavier into Arkansas, South Carolina one final time, Alabama on the road to Texas, Florida, Kentucky. We'll kind of do a lot of that heavy tomorrow, and we'll also invite you to check out Go With The Flow, presented by R.S. Andrews, Friday night on the Dog Nation video channels, where we talk about all of that even more. But I do briefly here want to mention just some of the other games, under-the-radar games, that we might not have much more of a chance to talk about. Uh, By the way, Tennessee Pitt, I think, is also one of those games that's worth your attention. We'll talk more about that. So let me kind of rattle off a couple of quick thoughts here for a moment, and then we'll... uh, get ready to wrap all of this up i think wake forest vanderbilt believe it or not it's probably more interesting than you might think uh, just because vanderbilt is 2-0 and sam hartman's coming back for wake forest this should probably be an easy win for the demon deacons but i don't know i mean if you've got at least you know one ounce of attention being paid towards a vanderbilt team trying to get 3-0 and <laughs> might be worth that missouri trying to get a 3-0 and is even more interesting now they're in the little apple in manhattan against kansas state Kansas State was one of the darlings of the offseason. It's kind of a chic pick to win the Big 12, and so I guess you got to consider that there. Uh, Missouri's actually a pretty big underdog here in this spot. Missouri's also probably looked better through two games than maybe some folks expected them to. Luther Burden clearly appears to be the real deal, so keep your eye on Eli Drinkwitz's charges there coming up on Saturday. I definitely think Appalachian State going to Texas A&M is pretty interesting. Appalachian State is a team that scored 40 points in the fourth quarter last Saturday and lost to North Carolina it's very difficult to do but with Chase Bryce at quarterback you'll remember him that's the former Clemson quarterback that was at I think Duke for a minute now he's at Appalachian State he's transferred like a million times um uh so with Bryce at quarterback for Appalachian State they are good offensively and y'all it's not obvious the Texas A&M is so this is one of those deals on Saturday where A&M may be playing either the exact right opponent so we can kind of show what it is offensively or the exact wrong opponent there too and don't forget this a&m's got miami the following week that's a pretty big non-conference game game day is going to be there i think a uh, pretty big deal week three with miami going to Texas a&m sort of the nil bold if you will if you're a&m you got to be careful here with appalachian state and you got to try to find a way to show some offense because they may score some points on you and put pressure on you to move the football and I think a lot of folks kind of opened their eyes and were a little bit surprised when Max Johnson didn't win the starting job at Texas A&M. Well, if Haynes King's going to be that guy, Saturday's the day to show that. So I would say that A&M is probably worth your attention on Saturday against Appalachian State. Um, I also think another somewhat interesting game on Saturday is Mississippi State going the road to Arizona. Um, There is some talk that Arizona may be a little bit better than they have been. Decent quarterback play they've gotten here thus far from uh, DeLar, Jay DeLar. But for Mississippi State, you had big numbers week one for Will Rogers, at quarterback against Memphis. You've got a little bit of belief here that they have a chance to, with a third-year quarterback, moving into year three of Mike Leach's you know system there, 
there's a little bit of belief that, hey, maybe Mississippi State's kind of on to something. There's also some thought that you know what they did last Saturday in kind of a revenge game because they lost in controversial fashion to Memphis the prior year. Maybe, maybe that's an outlier. But it, it's a late game. It's like it's actually, it's like 11 p.m. Eastern. Like this is a true late. This is a late, late game way out there in um, uh, Tucson against Arizona. But for a future Georgia opponent, dogs go to Starkville in November. I'd tell you, you probably ought to be watching what happens with Mississippi State on the road to Arizona because if they go in that in that spot, win that game easily. That tells you something. And if they can't win it easily, if they're in kind of a fight against Arizona, then it's probably the same Mississippi State team that it's sort of been in the past. That's worth your attention. And those are some of the under-the-radar games for the SEC here this week, and we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And by the way, worth your attention. How about the Atlanta Braves? They are worth your attention right now. Getting the two-game sweep against the Oakland Athletics. Mets won both games of a double header yesterday, so it's a battle down to the wire when it comes to uh, Braves and Mets as the Braves try to win the division for the fifth year in a row. And the Braves need you back in Truist Park when the Braves return home once this uh, road trip is done. So when you start looking ahead to September 16th to the 21st, Braves got two big series coming up against the Nationals and the Phillies. And so you want to celebrate all these young guys for Atlanta that come in and make big contributions, Vaughn Grissom and Michael Harris II, Spencer Strider on the mound. You want to appreciate all of them. Be in Truist Park September 16th to the 21st to be a part of all of that. Also, we told you about this uh, earlier this week. How about coming up on September the 20th, that really cool Ron Washington uh, uh, bobblehead that's the windmill wash, the great third base coaching move where he's winding up. Ronald Cunha is always ignoring it, but nonetheless, you get the wind up going with uh, with Wash there. You want the windmill Wash bobblehead first fifteen thousand through the door there on September twentieth. Get one of those. So, Braves need you. Uh, around here we talk about the lousy stinking gators all the time they're orange and blue guess what that same level of hatred you take for that version of the orange and blue you can point that same level of hatred towards the new york mets there as well because it's another orange and blue team we don't like very much and we think the braves are hard charging and relentless on their way to a fifth consecutive national league east title so go to braves.com slash tickets be in truest park here down the stretch against the nationals against the phillies and get ready to root the braves home to another national league east crown and maybe a return trip to the World Series there as well. Braves.com slash tickets for a lot more on that. So hopefully our golden shoe is fun for you each and every day. And I would say that it's been a while here since we've had one funnier than the one I want to show you today. It comes via video and it was shared with me. I want to show you this on the screen here just for a moment. So Joshua Campbell sent this to me. And uh, one of those like viral accounts, uh, Georgia followers tweets this. So here are a bunch of Georgia fans. And they're at their tailgate on Saturday, for those of you not watching on uh, video. And so every time an Oregon fan walks by, they take a loaf of bread, they peel off some of the bread, and they throw it at the Oregon fan like it's a duck. You know, you ever go feed the ducks? If you've got young kids, young kids like to go feed ducks. And you take old bread and you do that. Like, this is so funny. Now, listen, as an official member of the media, I can't condone you throwing things at other fans. But unofficially, this is really, really funny. This is really, look at that Oregon fan reaction to this. Joshua Campbell, thanks for sharing that with me. Otherwise, I wouldn't have seen that. So we'll give you a golden shoe. A dog fan's having a good time there on Saturday. How about lousy, stinking Gators? They're not having much fun. And they're not having any any reason to celebrate right now. It's been 4,991 days since they have won 
a national championship. Boy, that's tough. And how about 51 days from right now? Dogs back in Jacksonville beating Florida again. That is our Gator Hater countdown. And by the way, you see Eddie the Blind Squirrel, the beautiful oil paint of him there on the wall. If you want your own Eddie t-shirt, go to dognation.store. That's dognation.store. Dot store. Why is that so hard for me to say? Dognation.store, and you can get an Eddie t shirt today. It's a great new shop there for a Dog Nation. You can check that out. Dognation.store for a lot more on that. We'll see you tomorrow on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, uh, time now for the RS Andrews podcast cool down. First of all, uh, thanks for those of you who've kind of kept us updated on how this is kind of playing out there on the Apple podcast player. We believe that's fixed now, but we're not going to know for sure, and we're certainly not going to spike the football until we see it, see it show back up two days in a row. So if after today things are fine, then we're going to assume that things are just sort of fine moving forward. But keep us updated on that. Also, yesterday we talked about the idea of a little bit of rat poison for George. I got some very funny comments to the comment section of dognation.com related to that. Georgia being praised for having beaten Oregon 49-3. Street 0123 says, no need to play the rest of the season, right? Georgia's already won this thing. Wow, two in a row. Can't wait to buy buy another commemorative coke bottle there sure was a uh, short football season so uh, there you go for a uh, street pretty funny line there on that silver britches giving us some grief for using dan mullen as the uh, featured image at dognation.com um big doc 61 says an appropriate photo of mullen when it comes to uh, to rat poison which mullen did provide some of georgia and old dog 76 brings up what i think is a really good point and a great way to kind of conclude this conversation which is like rat poison, the no, and for those of you that don't quite remember what rat poison was, it's it's the the idea that too much praise, too many good things being said about you runs the risk of making your team play poorly because they buy into those press clippings. What rat, what old dog says, uh, long as the dogs have uh, me and Kirby around, no likelihood of overconfidence. So old dog says he's going to take responsibility for some of that, but also kind of pointing out that uh, Kirby Smart's going to prevent this team from getting overconfident. I do believe that's the case, and. That's why all that stuff about, hey, you know, the standard doesn't need motivation or whatever it was that they always say. I know that sounds like coach speak and it sounds a little bit corny. I do get all that, but I do think that's the pathway towards avoiding this. You know, guys like me saying good things about you. Eventually, some knucklehead may say something bad about you. But either way, that's all just external noise. And the standard that kind of lives with inside you is just bigger and more important than that and i think that's the mindset this georgia team seems to be appropriately adopting so great comments there at dognation.com we appreciate you sharing those each and every day and we will see you back here tomorrow for our podcast school down presented by rs andrews you can find them online rsandrews.com if your water heater goes out in many cases they can replace it for you the same day but you've got to find them online at rsandrews.com and we'll see you for the final day of the week tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and Thart. we'll get you ready for the game We'll get you ready for a fun weekend across the SEC, and we'll talk about hopefully staying dry. So we'll do all that with you then. Uh, it's Dog Nation Daily presented by Mary Weather and Tharp. We'll see you then, everybody.